Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Master Instructor Roundtable. I'm Regional Master Instructor Marty Miller, here with my fellow Regional Master Instructor, Miss Wendy Batts. Wendy, how you doing? I'm great, Marty. How are you? Good. I'm excited. We're going to hit that last kind of subsystem that people have been asking for. So today we're going into the anterior oblique subsystem. Yes. And, you know, hopefully if you have a chance, Marty and I um, have already done just kind of an overview of all four. And then we went through each and every subsystem with this being our last one. So if you've ever been confused and you're not sure exactly how the subsystems play a, a, a huge role and designing programs, as well as identifying muscles that really do work together. I think um, just going back, listening to some of these other ones, and then and then hopefully again, listening to today, it will all sort of make sense because the subsystems, I mean, that we, that's how we move. They're important to know. <laughs> yeah, and I think as you, know, you start to learn more and more of your anatomy, it's very easy to look for one muscle, one action, but as you get more knowledge, you'll start to see a bigger picture of how all these muscles can create movement dysfunction. Or as you clean things up, you see better movement pattern in, in different subsystems. So that's, you know, the beauty of it. We saw small, start small with just look at this, see this. But then as your knowledge grows, you can start to see a bigger picture. Yeah. And I mean, again, with movement, I mean, there are muscles that have to help that joint move in order to make that action happen. So it's not just one particular muscle. It's a group of muscles, whether it's the prime mover, the synergist, the antagonist. So, so again, you know, to your point, anatomy is key. Anatomy is hard. It is very hard. I mean, you know, no, you don't have to know every origin and insertion, but like when we talk about, especially the anterior oblique subsystem, I mean, to me and Marty, I think you can attest to this being in the industry as long as we have, because we're experienced, not old. <laughs> and we started at 13 overactive subsystems that um, that we see. And I mean, obviously, we move in a contralateral way, we do things in a contralateral movement, such as opposite arm, opposite leg, we walk that way, we move that way. So we need to train that way. But we also need to be very sensitive to what our assessments hold. Because again, if there's some overactivity, you don't want to necessarily just hammer the anterior oblique subsystem, because, you know, that's what everyone sees when we really want to think about proper alignment. So therefore we get better movement. So are you saying we shouldn't just do a bunch of crunches and bicep curls, things like that? Chest presses, crunches, everything on That's the front side. Forget, forget the posterior oblique subsystem what, all together and just focus in the front. Yeah, that's not the way to go. <laughs> and everybody I saw in the gym this morning is dialed in. <laughs> Perfect. Well, hopefully they'll listen to us and we can provide some help. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, if we go to the slide, I mean, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the anterior oblique subsystem. Again, there are four and they really do work together. So it's not like you can specifically always just pick one because with one movement, such as the deep longitudinal subsystem that works synergistically with all the other ones. So it's really hard to say that, oh, I'm only doing this one. Like all four do play a role. So keep that in mind. Um, but we are going to talk about, you know, the, the anterior oblique subsystem's primary role in human movement, as well as different exercises that Marty and I did really try to focus on targeting the AOS by integrating it with multi-joint movement patterns because of the way that this subsystem connects and works together. Absolutely. And back to crunches and bicep curls. Exactly. That's all it should be. Bench, 
tri or crunches and biceps. Back in the day, that was it. What, what's your bench press? That's what every guy. The good news is we don't hear that in the gym as much anymore. So that's we really don't. I mean, we're still hearing it a little bit. I think in in some of the this, you know, when we're getting into just strength or you know strength and conditioning, but we are making a change, and I think we're definitely making a change for the better. Without a doubt. So we'll go over what makes up the AOS here. You'll see in little graphics. So first is the obliques, the adductor, the inner thigh muscles, and then our <clears throat> hip external rotators. So again, that contralateral. So the obliques and the contralateral opposite side adductors are very common um, visualization of the subsystem because of that X pattern. We've talked about this in, in other areas probably countless different master truck roundtables for different reasons. Like if I'm right-handed and I go to pick something up off the floor, I'll probably stand on my left leg because of that contralateral force that the body likes to, to work with. And then the AOS creates stability from the trunk through pelvis and hips and contributes to rotational movement as well. Yeah. And I mean, it's important guys too, when we always talk about the five kinetic chain checkpoints, think about our hips. And when we talk about trying to have neutral alignment, if we have the hips shifting forward, which we've done the anterior pelvic tilt uh, webinar as well. When that happens, it, you know, it's actually shortening the hip flexors. We have lengthened um, glutes, which means they're going to be weakened as well as hamstrings. The erectors get tight. So, you know, if you have that motion there, then it's also going to change, you know, the way that the, you know, the muscles, the origin insertion points that connect directly to the actual pelvis. And so it's very, very important that we really focus on maintaining a neutral position. So therefore we have the greatest amount of force production when we're starting to run, throw, move, or do rotational type movement patterns. Um, and, and so when we stress these five kinetic chain checkpoints, we do that for a reason. And I, you know, I'm hoping, especially with this one being as overactive as it is, often, not always, but often then, um, you know, if you start to try to put everything we talk about together, that's one of the primary reasons that we're, we really want that neutral spine and proper drawing in mechanics and glute activation to make sure that we're realigning and keeping that neutral position of the hips. Yep. It's very important to always look at ideal posture and what's either creating movement dysfunction or what's allowing movement dysfunction. So for those of you that are just joining us right now, thank you for joining in. Wendy Bats and I are talking about the anterior oblique subsystem, what makes it up, how to train it, and then maybe some compensations that you'll see within that subsystem. This is the fourth of a fourth installment of all the subsystems. So you can go back to our YouTube channel and you can check out the other ones if you have questions on the subsystems. Well said. <laughs> You're in so charge of that. I'm done now. I know, right? Mike Drop, thanks for joining us. Um, well, when we talk about the primary function, I mean, Marty and I kind of really already talked about it. Think about how you run, how you move. And, you know, when you think about the anterior oblique subsystem, that works together with the posterior oblique subsystem, and it provides a global force coupling relationship when we do the movement. And so if you look at the image here on the right, you're going to see in blue the, um, the different patterns and how, when we talk about the muscles that are involved, how this can, especially in rotational force movements, how this particular subsystem in conjunction with the POS provides really good rotational force production in the transverse plane, of course, um, if everything is ideally lined up and we have, um, you know, we're, we're able to produce the right amount of force without compensation. Yeah, and with the move to high intensity training or different type of functional training, 
it's going to be very important that you really dial in these subsystems because of the people that want to run and jump and do different change of directions. So if these subsystems aren't firing properly, you're going to move, you're going to exercise, you're going to burn calories, but you could be adding a lot of unneeded stress throughout the kinetic chain. And this is where I always say you've earned these itises, bursitis, tendonitis, arthritis, or, you know, or the overuse injuries because, you know, you're loading your body intensely, which is great. But if there's that dysfunction, these subsystems aren't dialed in and doing what they need to do. You can just run the risk of having other type of issues flare up. Yeah. And I mean, and you think too, when we're talked about running again, go re-listen to the deep longitudinal subsystem, because that's the initial ground re reaction of the foot and how it can actually impact everything up the kinetic chain. And so again, if we don't have proper alignment of the ankle and proper mobility, so 20 degrees of dorsiflexion, and everything, then then we're going to have issues in the lower body that can, again, because of the way the body works and the synergist that helps movement, um, you know, those synergists that should be a prime mover at times, like, you know, roles start to get changed. And that's when we really start to see compensations. And I really, truly believe myself that when we're talking about the subsystem, if one thing is not working, especially when we talk about, you know, everything being interconnected, if one thing's not working or one subsystem isn't functioning, it's going to cause issues and dysfunction throughout the other three. Without a doubt. I mean, you and I have been doing assessments forever and we, you know, we've seen that there, you know, and a lot of people are like, ah, you know, my knees bothering me. It's just that the other, and it's like, okay, you know, refer out, do what you need to do. But if somebody's even indicating where they feel something that doesn't feel hundred percent, even if it's not an injury, a lot of times, you know, the, the phase I say that might be the victim, but that's not the robber. The issue mm -hmm. biomechanically could be somewhere else throughout the kinetic chain, even on the opposite side of the body, but due to, you know, where the stress is taken into the body, that's where their focus is. So that's why these subsystems are so important. So you can really try to reverse engineer their movement and make them move more efficiently, perform better. Yes. So when we talk about the primary function, again, think about what Marty said. I mean, we're looking at the obliques and we're looking at the opposite inner thigh as well as the outer hips. And so, you know, any type of, you know, chopping patterns or lifting patterns or what we refer to as PNF type patterns, opposite, you know, arm, opposite leg. And then, of course, one of my favorites that I know Marty didn't put in here because we talk about it all the time is something as simple as like a single leg squat into a row but then when you you know you think about the neural continuum and actually adding you know even more of a you know um a stress or a challenge to it do a single leg squat stand up do a row and then add slight rotation and so again now we're working on so many different factors we're look, looking at foot and ankle we're strengthening the arch of the foot we're getting you know really good specific movement patterns in the quads in the glutes as well as through the anterior uh, oblique subsystem because think about the cross-sectional movement when you start to add the row and then rotation and so again these are just some examples that that i know marty's probably going to emphasize as well but these are some awesome ones like the kneeling, anything kneeling that you do again, if you, you know, especially if someone has tight hips, Marty, you can attest to this too. If you're doing a kneeling, hey, 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 what are you saying? <laughs> but when you're doing like this, any type of kneeling work to me, I'm also getting lengthening in a hip flexor. That's usually very overactive. I'm forcing, you know, glute activation on the, um, the knee that I'm stabilizing on. So I'm actually getting a stretch while I'm producing movement. Um, so 
you know, all of these exercises that we talk about play in a huge role in the AOS specifically, but then also you get so many benefits or as you often say, like accidental exercise, that's an accidental stretch um, right. while performing an exercise. So it's, it's kind of a win-win altogether. And since I'm a child of the late 80s, early 90s, when it comes to not being born, working out is, you know, it's all about chest. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing your dumbbell chest presses. There's nothing wrong with going into, you know, phases three and four and things like that. But the way I've always dialed it in now since I've been with NASM is I always want to really still have that neural connection through my whole body and systems like this. So what I'll do is I'll do a one arm dumbbell press on a bench with one leg in the air. So even if it's 15, 30 pounds, it doesn't, it's more just driving that neural connectivity before I go lay on a bench and do something like with a standard dumbbells, or I'll reverse engineer it after I'm warmed up. I do my dumbbells. I finish with something like that because I just, every workout, I want to make sure that my subsystems and my st stabilization is still dialed in. Absolutely. And those of you guys that are joining Marty Miller and I today on the Master Instructor Roundtable, we're talking about the last of the four subsystems. And again, remember, they do work together. So it's very hard to specifically say that you're focusing only on one without integrating the others. However, we've talked about the muscles that make up primarily of the, the anterior oblique subsystem. We've talked about the importance of contralateral movement and training contralateral movements um, that are going to be involved doing multi-joint type exercises and again, these are some of the, the exercises that you'll see on the screen. And Marty talked about, you know, even the chest. If I reverse that even, and I start thinking, okay, if I wanted to do a one-arm row on the bench, because that's what everyone does, well, how about putting your knee and hand on the same side um, on the bench and you're rowing, but then extend the leg out. So again, to your point, now we're having to really focus on keeping a, um, a neutral spine. We're fighting gravity. We're working the muscles. Um, and so, you know, at the same time, you're going to triple flexion. So you've got good extension of the ankle, you're contracting your quad, you're contracting your glute, and then you're working the muscles. So, so you can be as creative as you want to be. You just have to think, what is it that you're doing? And if you're always focusing on the front, then don't forget the POS, because again, they do work together. And if you can get your back end to work as strong as your front end, because again, that front is usually overactive, you're going to have a completely better outcome when you go into these transverse movement patterns. Yeah, it's just important to, again, train with a purpose, follow the model, look at what you're trying to accomplish. Even in every phase, you still have to look at movement patterns. We're not just training muscles and then try to find out how you can be creative. So that way you're still eliciting tremendous movement quality, no matter what phase of training you're in and everything builds off the previous phase. And, and to your point, to emphasize what Marty just said, these exercises that you were seeing on the screen that we talked about would be primarily used in phase one and two. However, you can do and you should be really challenging all of your subsystems every single time you go into the gym and, you know, and really follow the acute variables. Because again, in the beginning, it's very important that you're getting proper um, execution for every specific muscle that you're focusing on. Because when you try to add power to that later on, you're going to have greater amount of force production because everything is optimally lined up and you've got the kinetic chain firing and functioning in the way that it can in order to execute even more, um, even more power production long-term. Yeah. And, and if you're looking at performance and Wendy, you know, I say this and you say it, everyone's an athlete. So performance is just on a continuum that 
it's when you're dialing in these movement patterns, when you get to more force production and rate of force production, you're going to be able to elicit a better response at any age, at any ability, you'll be your best version because you are moving the most efficiently and you know how to get all the right muscles to fire at the right time in the right sequence in the right plane of motion. And then reversing that when it's time to slow things down, you've got your best braking system available. So this is where performance comes in and injury reduction, you know, is at its peak due to these subsystems doing what they need to do, how they need to do them. Yeah. And, you know, I know that there was a question that I had received a while back when we, when we had gotten these subsystems or we said that we were going to individualize these and people are like, well, can you do unilateral movements? And can you do, you can do any type of movement that you want. You just have to think, you know, long-term, what is the subsystem you're focusing on? What's the outcome? And yes, switch it up because again, you know, we move in a contralateral way. That's a really, really important to, in my opinion, to focus on first. We need to focus on strengthening the way that we move for everyday activities that's going to transfer to life. And then at that point, yes, you know, change it up. Because if you do a single arm, let's say single arm squat to row with the same arm, same leg, it is going to be very challenging because you're, you're, you're not using, you know, specific, like this specific subsystem, for example, you're really challenging one side. And so therefore you have to have good um, amount of core strength and stability in order to maintain a neutral pelvis and to execute it correctly. So can you do it? Yes, you can do anything as long as it makes sense. And the quality of movement trumps just the quantity of a, a number and just the sake of doing an exercise for doing an exercise. Well said. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> All right. So those of you guys that are joining Marty Miller and I, again, we were, you know, master instructor roundtable this week. I mean, this is a little shorter one of our webinars because again, we've talked about all four of the subsystems. We've talked about the importance of all of them and how, when you're going through, you want to, you know, really focus on particular subsystems and movement patterns and make sure again, execution is there and you've got good quality of movement, but you know, for, you know, I think the, the biggest thing when we're talking about the key takeaways is that you are, a, you know, your client can properly activate the anterior oblique subsystem, or if it's overactive, that you can properly get it to relax those muscles that are overactive. So therefore you get better functioning long-term when you're, you know, integrating everything together. And one of the things, Wendy, that like, I'll throw out a challenge to everybody. Um, and you know, I've done this in live workshops. Sometimes I'll put up on a dry eraser board. You know me, Wendy, I like to draw is if you look down the left side, you've got stabilization, strength, and power, right? And then we've got our planes of motion. We've got sagittal, frontal, and transverse. So week one, day one, no matter what phase I'm in, right? It would be, you're doing something more in the sagittal plane. Then you move to the frontal plane. Then you move to the transverse plane. Then you start up in the power phase and go back to sagittal, then frontal, then transverse, then to power. So it kind of gives you this grid to work off of. But you could do if if you have the next level of anatomy, you could do the same thing. So okay, week one, I want to do stabilization training with a primary focus on the anterior oblique subsystem because that's the one people may feel the most comfortable in. Then I might move to the uh, and if you're gonna do an anterior, you're probably gonna do deep longitudinal subsystem at the same time. Mm -hmm. Then I might go to the lateral subsystem, right? Then I might go to something where I'm looking at that rotation in the obliques and subsystem. So it's, you know, you can use this still in a way to have a general guideline in progressions. 
So use the subsystems, use the phases of training. And now, you know, Wendy, you and I both are on the NESM Facebook page and we hear all the time, ah, I'm, I'm running out of program ideas. Uh, if, you, if you take it back to that 40,000 foot view of, okay, what phase of training I'm in, what plane of motion, or now what subsystem am I going to primarily work in this workout? What would the progression be to the next subsystem? Then after you go through all the subsystems, then do I now go to the next phase of training? and start over again. So that's just one way. That doesn't mean that's the only way to do it, but it still gives you a thought process to use when you're looking at your programming. Yes, and and you know, if you look at the next bullet, I mean, this is all Marty right here. We and and I actually said this earlier. We're trying to get people to move better in life. We're trying to get people to feel stronger. We're trying to decrease discomfort in certain areas whether it's the knee, low back, shoulder, whatever it may be. So when you're thinking about these subsystems and truly the muscles that make up them primarily, then you want to think about training movement patterns. Again, we move contralaterally, start training contralaterally. We need to rotate to go grab something. You want to do transverse plane. So just make sure that, you know, when we talk about the corrective exercise, we talk about activating specific muscles in a very specific manner. But then you need to implement it into proper movements once you get that activated. And that's why we go into integration. And so it's very important to realize, am I going to train movement? Am I training muscles? And then, you know, obviously with one muscle, there's going to be others that are involved. So how do they play an important role into making that, you know, that compensation go away and why we even did the corrective exercise process in the first place? Yeah, 100%. And even today in my workout, I did lower body and I went through kind of the whole program. I, I warmed up my correctives. I first uh, set was stabilization. Second set was a strength endurance. Third set was a power. And then my fourth set was stabilization again. And I purposely started based on how my control was. I went by, am I dialed in today? Did the caffeine kick in? Do I have good focus? <laughs> and then I went to what was the most advanced exercise in each phase that I could control. There's mm -hmm. times where I don't always move well in the frontal plane. So that's not going to be the time that I'm doing really dynamic, crazy stuff. If my lateral subsystem is not communicating well, I might have to dial the progression down. doesn't mean I'm going to ignore that whole subsystem, but I might have to say, okay, instead of a level seven exercise, let me go back to a level five because that's what I can currently control in this subsystem right now based on sleep, stress, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Well, and, and Marty, I mean, I, again, I'm hoping that people go back. They really look at all the other um, webinars that we did. And we really appreciate the questions that came in about the subsystems that gave us a chance to break it up into more detail for you guys. Because again, without you guys, we're, Marty and I are just talking about topics that we enjoy. And we want to make sure we're talking about topics that are very helpful. So if you want to contact us re regarding any of the questions on the stuff we talked about today or if you have some um, ideas that you want us to talk about or you've got some some questions, please reach out to me or Marty. But you can find me at wendy.bats at nasm.org or you can find me on Instagram at wendy.bats13. And then you'll see my information pop up here. So my Instagram is dr.martymiller72 and then email marty.miller at nasm.org. And then in final takeaway, if you are certified through NASM, please join our private NASM Facebook page, CPT, because there's always these conversations that happen. Myself and Wendy and other great instructors are in there moderating, helping out the conversation. And that's where, again, sometimes we grab ideas and bring them here to you. So Wendy, thank you so much today. And thank you for all of us, uh, for all of you that joined us. And we look forward to seeing you next week.